This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 1st of February 2023 at home in Wicklow and in it I talk about the work I am currently doing with Broken Talkers Theatre Company in a production that's all about masculinity and I talk about the issues that it's raising for me um, and all the thoughts and emotions, responses, impulses that are being stimulated and provoked by the work, which is at times challenging, uh, but always stimulating and inspiring. So I talk a little bit about um, men and attitudes to, to women and recall my own memories of being a teenager and the attitudes that my friends my male friends and I shared towards women um, I also talk a little bit about prominent male voices in in recent times and these times and their influence on men and boys and I I question what they're offering um yeah and then i conclude today's episode with some thoughts on the child within so that's what's coming up i hope you can find time to listen to it and i hope you enjoy what you hear i will see you around the corner cheers not gonna change my mind leaving the dream Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out. You're very welcome. I hope this moment finds you well. So, what's going on? It's the 1st of February as I as I record this. So, happy St. Bridget's Day. Um, you know, Bridget is, uh, is one of many saints and she may be one of your favourites. I know almost nothing about her. Um, there's a cross. There's a cross that goes with Bridget. And there's a cloak associated with Bridget. Because she asked for land, apparently, on which to build her convent, I think. And the the landowner said, I'll give you a piece of land as big as your cloak. And so she she made an enormous cloak that covered a substantial piece of land. And that's what she got. So she was crafty. She was crafty and fair play to her because mother is the necessity. Mother <laughs> Mother is the invention. Mother necessity is the mother of invention is what I was trying to say. Um, excellent. We're off to a good start. And do you know what I'm saying to myself today? What I'm saying to myself is stay relaxed, stay calm. And don't worry about it. Just let it flow. Because it's been it's been a busy week. It's been a bit full on. There's been a few little things going on. And yeah, there hasn't been much time to plan, prepare for this. And as was happening towards the end of last year, there is a tiny window that I've got to use. So this will be out of necessity a shorter episode than usual now just briefly 
Just briefly, if you are someone who's new to the show, or the tell, as I prefer to call it, because it's it's all tell, no show, until I, I make the, the jump to video. But here on The Clear Out, all I do, week in, week out, is discuss wellness and coping with what life throws in its various ways and forms and I'm very interested in the idea of wellness as something that is very grounded that is very yeah down to earth authentic unassuming um I'm a big fan of the idea of internalized wellness not show pony wellness not check out my abs wellness not here's me in my swimwear wellness um i mean (laughs) that's all out there and it serves its own purpose i guess to me there's always an aspect of that 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 screams um i need affirmation so I try to just kind of stay away from that performative wellness, that hyper-positive wellness, um, and stay in some stay in a place that's real. And often, this is just coming from my own life, my own experiences, my own perspective. Uh, I try not to make claims to have solutions for anyone other than myself. But I share my own journey and offer my own thoughts and reflections. I'm not unafraid to have an opinion, but I always try to contextualize things um, and give due reference, if not reverence, um, when that's appropriate. Um, And I suppose all of that, all of that combines to be a version of of a sort of an oral examined life so every time i try to explain what i do here the the definition the account of the of the oeuvre changes um so be it because as my old friend heraclitus liked to say this river i step in is not the river i stand in did did he say that is is that attributable to an ancient greek philosopher anyway what heraclitus did say i paraphrase is life is flux that's flux i couldn't give a flux Uh, (laughs) yeah so flux rhymes with ducks uh, but it's with an X, not a CKX, CKS. So yeah, life is flux. Things change, things move. And even though there is the illusion of constancy, the illusion that you're always there, you're always the same, you're not. You're not always the same. We change, we shift. We are not made from rock. We are malleable beings. And we change we change experience but you know but but like rocks (laughs) like rocks life works on us it never stops working on us 
it never stops blowing it never stops that process of shaping of eroding and that can be that can be challenging but what choice does a rock have you gotta just breathe into it and go okay here i am if i'm the the cliff face getting blasted by the wind that never ceases i'm gonna have to lean into it so um so yeah so it is what it is it is what it is in any case today today i my head is full of my head is full of different things um as i've mentioned over the last couple of episodes i have been rehearsing this really interesting theater production with uh broken talkers theater company so i've been up in dublin a few days a week rehearsing that and this is a piece of work that is all about masculinity masculinity uh, in its various forms um but this work is informed by workshops that were conducted with groups of marginalized young men uh, in different parts of dublin um and so it does it does reflect a lot of their concerns um and certainly it reflects certain models of i mean i'm careful with the language i use because you know language can be you know the choices that i would make might be very subjective but certain expressions of masculinity um seem to come up again and again that maybe weren't as broad as they might have been to to give these young men a greater range of possibilities in terms of the, the male role models that they saw are um espoused or whose values they espoused so in any case um without getting into the nitty-gritty of that all i can say is that my head at the moment because of the work we're doing and what we're bringing into the space every time we get into it to rehearse um my head is full of um thoughts and emotions um and impulses and memories all in that area of shaping um the process of shaping a man um and and what's out there in the world that shapes men and makes young boys into the men that they become and it's um it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot to like it's it's a big it's a big stream of stuff to try and swim in it's a big stream of stuff to step into and have wash over you um and try and maintain one's focus and maintain one's artistic focus in terms of the work that we're doing um and i walk out of these rehearsal sessions feeling pretty exhausted um without fail even though it's very inspiring work and i am delighted delighted to be doing it um but yeah there's a huge amount in the mix um and so many other things come up and to me uh certainly the way my brain works and this impulse i have to 
to talk, I suppose, and well, to analyze and talk and reflect and respond and share and stimulate conversation. Um, that is overwhelming at times in this context. Um, but in the context of a rehearsal room, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's not appropriate. It's not appropriate because we've got to be disciplined. This is a lean, a lean uh, schedule. There's not that we just don't have the time to indulge too much that veers away from the the central track. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a there's a balancing act to be achieved. Um, I had really been hoping. I had really been hoping that my my daughter would be able to to see the show from a purely. I think from I think from a very vain point of view um, to kind of go. I'd like my daughter to see me do some work in, in an acting space. Um, so yeah, purely you know, <laughs> a very selfish motivation. And also, I remember going to the theatre as a kid and the effect it had on me and the thrill of being um, exposed to live actors in a space. Um, but I was reading through the script last night and I was given the, you know, more of the script and got a stronger sense of the content of, of the piece. And I was disappointed to see that in under no circumstances would it be appropriate for my daughter to see this piece. Um, and I was talking to the producer about it today and it's, yeah, it's an over 16s. Um, it's got an over 16s rating on it. So there's just some material in, in the, in the production stuff we haven't rehearsed yet, but it gets, it gets pretty raw. Um, and that's coming from a very, you know, it's it's coming from a very organic place. It's coming from it's coming from the workshops, and it's coming from what young men are exposed to. And this particular section that I came across last night reading was very much to do with young men's attitudes to women and how those attitudes are shaped by what they're exposed to at a young age, particularly um, from the world of pornography, particularly the the hyper sexualization of women. And what I have referred to in the past, if not here on the podcast, certainly in um, in a piece I wrote for the blog, um, this idea of women only being as useful um, or as valuable as their sexual utility. And I use that phrase deliberately. It's a particularly callous, um, unfeeling uh, phrase because I think it captures the real truth of absolute objectification um, and really looking at women as as flesh um, yeah and so that like that that has a message do you think if you're a young fella a young guy, a kid who has been exposed to that that sort of sensibility at a young age and it's been it's been delivered in a very matter of fact way um that's a very shaping element in a young man's life 
um, and it's not one that I believe has a lot of value, if any, um, because there's a world of difference, I think, between between being able to look at someone and finding them attractive or beautiful or desirable um, on that external level and then internalizing that as the only thing that's of interest um, and particularly the way that can be internalized as a as almost as a form of of currency that can relate to the kind of in, into a kind of in, into a kind of initiation into into status seeking or status giving um and i certainly remember when i was a teenager amongst my male friends there was certainly well we were we were we were obsessed with at a certain point we were obsessed with the idea of of losing our virginity we were obsessed with that idea um and certainly fantasized relentlessly about that possibility no matter how far away it was in reality and certainly as we moved from mid teens to late teens um certain of our group had that experience and i mean we we afforded those we afforded those guys this sort of um i mean i don't want to say a godlike status because that that that's not that's not right it wasn't it wasn't quite as elevated as that but certainly certainly they were treated almost like prophets because they had knowledge of the mystery um, and knowledge of the the ecstasy, knowledge of the other that they could share with us. Um, and I mean, I look back at that and you can hear, you can hear the, the, the amusement, I think, and the, the affection in my voice um, because I can say with confidence that I don't think myself and my male friends were particularly exceptional in our attitudes to 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 girls. Um, we happened to be, we happened to all to be straight lads, and were attracted to girls. Um, and we we weren't mean spirited about it. Um, we were immature. We could be casually insensitive, certainly. We slagged our female classmates and the objects of our affection. Um, but I think, like my memory is that on a very fundamental level, we respected girls, we expected our female peers, um, but we were just horny kids and horny male teenagers. Um and that this any any disrespect was coincidental, accidental, and if intentional, loaded with, um, loaded with humor that wasn't meant to hurt. Um, yeah, 
I don't know. And so, I mean, I'm, I did I did actually speak about this quite a bit last year um, in the wake of the, the, it was Ashley Murphy, wasn't it? The the young female teacher who, who was killed um, in in Offaly, wasn't it? I, I, I did a long episode just discussing this whole idea of male attitudes. Um, I think basically I called the episode uh was something to do with broken broken masculinity um yeah and scared women i can't remember the title exactly but it was it was roughly a year ago it was january of last year um and i did speak about this and you know many aspects of this um so if you're interested in this topic um and want to put it into a context of misogyny and male violence um and vulnerable women i suppose um and into sort of sort of a gender wars conversation and a toxic masculinity conversation that's a phrase i don't really value um even though i recognize what it describes you uh you could do worse if you're interested in the, if you're interested in those things you could do worse than go and listen to that episode from from last year um yeah but um yeah in any case in any case the i was very i was very tired last night looking at that script i was really i was really knackered um i was looking at it on my phone on you know and my i i, I need a new prescription in in my glasses um for my glasses for my eyes so my, my my glasses are not quite doing the job i want them to do so i was squinting and tired and yeah as i say very disappointed to go oh right my daughter won't be seeing this show anyway i'll just have to try and get more work won't i and then maybe she can see her old daddy doing something on the stage that's more age appropriate whatever that might be i don't know um yeah yeah another thing i saw in the script and this this um i'm not trying to you know these aren't these aren't spoilers it's just and when i say script i should say there was a section of the script that was really just putting down things uh tracts of text some things that had come up in rehearsals and they're just there as kind of reference points and there were a couple of extended pieces in, in in the text in the script from Jordan Peterson and also from Andrew Tate and I know not a lot about Jordan Peterson I mean I feel I know enough and I know almost nothing about Andrew Tate except that he's I think he's currently uh, in custody in Romania um, for is it sex trafficking charges? Have I got that right? Um, but Andrew Tate is a young man, maybe he's in his twenties, who has become a very um, high-profile um, sort of male men's speaker and male issues influencer on um on social media um and i really don't i'd only come across him because of his name being in the headlines before christmas around the time he was arrested i know very little about him 
but I know one of the guys in the show I'm rehearsing was talking about giving a dance workshop to young boys and they were all talking about how great they thought Andrew Tate was um, and just just to jump across to Jordan Peterson for a millisecond um, I mean Jordan Peterson is the Canadian academic who came to some prominence a few years ago when he jumped in on the 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 pronouns debate where someone who doesn't wish to be identified as male or female um, might choose to be identified as as they rather than he or she um, and to use the possessive to use sorry to use them um, instead of um, you know him her uh, and Peterson was objecting to the the proposal in Canada that be written into law in Canada as a right that people could say these are my pronouns and you know you'll you'll now you will honor them and I think Peterson's position at the time was you know this is this is the road to fascism um and of course it was a very notorious thing to say and it got him a huge amount of attention and then that seemed to give him a great opportunity the increased profile to to share his own kind of views on how people should live and particularly he seemed to become particularly popular with with men um and giving them a sort of a a template for living and he wrote uh and produced his very popular book that is it the 12 rules is that is is it just called the 12 rules i didn't read it i've glanced i've glanced at it i've skimmed through it i've seen what some of the rules are um and he was he just became this phenomenon um and you know I, i i've always been pretty indifferent to him and found there wasn't much he was saying that i felt was revolutionary or massively inspiring um i felt when he talked about psychology because that was his background he was i felt he was always saying fairly solid stuff um and then i realized when i you know dug a little deeper he had some rather um out there ideas um that seemed to involve lobsters uh, and look, whatever you know. Best of luck, to Jordan Peterson. He, he he went. You know, he was vilified and demonized, and became this kind of bugbear of of the left, and seemed to find himself at the kind of um, at the sort of the flashpoints of the culture wars and identity politics, and seemed to really love his moment in the spotlight. Was my impression. Um, and again, I'm not saying that in a snarky way. I think there was an opportunity, like he was an academic. And I was like, oh, cool. Now people are listening to me. Well, I'm going to take this opportunity to, to say what I think. Um, and certainly there was an aspect of what he was saying that was a bit sort of appealing to maybe more traditional male values you know to be strong to stand up straight to to take care of business to not be afraid to punch another man um and yeah grand uh and he and andrew tate 
what they seem to have in common is they seem to have filled a void of some kind and that void seems to be the empty space where a father figure might be um particularly a father figure that boys or young men want to listen to or maybe it's a father figure that validates and gives a green light to their to their anger to their their sense of personal injustice or rejection or disadvantage um and gives them permission to to vent that anger and direct it at those who they believe are the you know are, are, are major kind of contributory elements to their personal unhappiness and in some cases that seemed to be and i'm not saying that this was advocated by peterson but it did seem to be like a lot of men would turn and direct that anger towards women um and i i, I just found it all very very um very dubious very fishy um and certainly when i was looking at this tract of text that was in the script from andrew tate uh, and again I, i'm not sure how this will be utilized um in in the production if at all but he was talking about the the sort of the uselessness of of therapy um and how no one should be going to therapy and that therapy is the choice of a weak person um and it's certainly not the choice of a a man of action um and it was just this diatribe against therapy and therapists and people who would put themselves in that seat to offer therapy and people who would put themselves in the seat across from the therapist and receive therapy or engage in that process um and i just i just found myself thinking um what what's so terrifying to this guy about therapy and what's so terrifying to him about the idea of being weak um or being perceived as weak um and i i, I feel again that there's there's crossover with jordan i feel jordan jordan jbp jordan peterson i feel there was crossover there with jordan peterson i feel that that was one thread of his rhetoric or one thread of his well yeah i i i mean i'll I'll use that word rhetoric something he'd kind of come back to the idea that you'd you know you wouldn't be afraid to get your hands dirty and mix it up and punch another guy on the chin um and i thought well yeah that's grand if you're sitting in a staff room in a nice university in canada with a bunch of bookish academics it's very easy to feel like an alpha male um if you've decided you're willing to punch people um when <laughs> you're surrounded by people who are very cerebral and genteel um it's a different story if you're among genuinely tough men if you're among a group of men who routinely fight or get into fights 
uh, who routinely settle things with their fists. That's a different. That's a different thing, isn't it? Um, suddenly, Jordan Peterson might not be so quick to say, "Yeah, I'm going to sort this guy out," um, because he might be knocked on his ass very, very quickly. Anyway, that's just an observation. And again, I'm not trying to throw shade on Jordan Peterson. In fact, I think he certainly ended up in not great shape a couple of years ago. Uh, when I think he was, I, th- I, I mean, my impression was he'd had a very serious breakdown and some serious health issues um, and was on medication. And there just seemed to be this huge pylon, um, just this gleeful schadenfreude to go look at him look where he is now hiding in in russia um i just felt that was kind of in poor taste as well even if he may have been annoying at times but um i suppose what i come back to when i see the the popularity of these figures uh it does it does make me think as always and and this is this is a recurring theme um, in terms of my own uh, thinking around these um, these trends, these these issues, these um, kind of you know sociological phenomena, um, where these influencers or speakers have such an extraordinary impact on such a large number of people, and there often seems to be an element to some to some extent there often seems to be an element of radicalization um and i i just find myself thinking where are the where are the other voices i mean you've heard me speak about this when talking about politics like where are the other voices that are, are appealing to to something else um and I don't know. I don't know if if the the success of people like Jordan Peterson and Andrew Tate, maybe someone like Joe Rogan, who to my mind is you know, is in a similar group, um you know, a similar group of sort of hyper confident um you know you know hyper confident hyper hyper certain um men who are very quick to dismiss others and very quick to denigrate uh, certainly in in Rogan's case and Tate's case very quick to denigrate other men um in 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 very kind of traditionally stereotypically macho terms um by referring to them as either you know pussies or bitches um and i'm like yeah again like the second i hear that stuff i'm like okay (laughs) that's that's what we're dealing with now as it happens i don't know and again this is you know i haven't consumed a lot of their content um so these are kind of sketches and impressions but I kind of trust my instinct. You know, Tate and Rogan, they, they both they both like them, you know, to muscle up. They both like to build those bodies. And I don't know if there's just and and this might be absolutely uselessly 
uh, reductive and uninformed. But it's it feels like there's a disproportionate amount of testosterone um, and a disproportionate speed to slap people down, um, a disproportionate willingness to kind of quickly slap people down um, and put them in their place and be the dominant male in the room. Um, again, I'm like... I really question the value of that message. Um, and I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I just go, come on, come on, come on. There has to be, there has to be something else out there. But the point I was going to make was these guys have enjoyed success, you know, at at an age where the you know at an age where the internet social media um technology devices screens um they've 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 you know the, the the tentacles of those things have never had further more effective reach um and I just wonder if there's a if there is a strong connection between young guys being exposed to all this stuff online. Um, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to talk about what young women are exposed to because um, that's a whole other thing, and certainly something my wife and I would be quite concerned about i suppose when we think about our own daughter who's only nine um and her next few years um and i'm yeah we're just hoping that we can kind of steer her on a well i I can't speak for my wife but i mean I, i hope that we can steer on a a path of of some sense and some good decision making and that she locates her her sense of self, um, you know, from within and from, you know, good friends around her. Um, Because obviously as she gets older, she'll move further from us (laughs) and trust our opinion less and less. Um, So I'm just hoping we can, we can keep her on side. Yeah. This, this could be famous last words. If this podcast is still going um, in, you know, three, four, five years time, I might have, a very different story to tell um but at the moment thank goodness my daughter's very happy to talk to me about a lot of different stuff and i i i cherish that aspect of our relationship um but yeah the the this idea that these you know like i say young men but you know i have friends i have friends Dara has friends. I have friends <laughs> younger than me. So let's say 10 to 15 years younger than me. And and maybe even not as, as much as that. And they were big Jordan Peterson fans. Um, so it's, you know, that's a, that's a big range. And, and just for the sake of my argument today, if we're talking about the the young kids that the, the dancer one of the guys in the show was talking about 
being big fans of Andrew Tate. My impression was those kids were my daughter's age or a little bit older, maybe 10, 11, 12. And they were talking about Andrew Tate being a, a really cool G. Um, I think G stands for for guy <laughs> or good guy, I think. Yeah, he's a real cool G. He's a, he's a, he's a G. Um, and this, you know, which is hilarious to me, like this would be a bunch of Irish kids um, using that kind of, of language. But that also is the influence of the internet and the the the, you know, the malleability of the language that we speak and how it comes across via other media um and how it changes and becomes incorporated and internalized and then is worn um and spoken uh, as you know as part of one's personal flair or knowingness um but yeah, if you think then that then then there's guys that's that's a, that's like a a twenty five to thirty year range in terms of the influence of of these kind of men's speakers, and as yeah, as I say, I'm I don't know. It's like where are the other voices? And I suppose this is a little bit like it's not cool to listen to the boring sensible person it's cool to listen to the edgy dangerous person is it as as is it as mundane as that um hey let's go over here and listen to this guy he talks about being thoughtful and considerate and reflecting and you know being tolerant of other people's different choices yeah I want to be in that club or I can listen to this guy who has got sort of a rage against the machine energy and is saying, yeah, you're, you know, you're angry. Yeah, you should be angry. And this is why. And let's let's fuel that. And you're dead right to feel dead right to feel the way you do. Again, is that is that the way for, is that the way to go? Is that is that is that is that is that is that a good message? Is that helpful? Um, rather than than challenging that state in young people, rather than offering them productive um, and controlled ways to 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 express their their emotions, their their discontent, their anger, their frustration, their fear. Um, I don't know. I just, I just think some of these guys, um, are either either acting in bad faith, so they're like they're bad actors. Um, not like me, not that kind of a bad actor. Um, boom, boom, I'm here for the rest of my life. Um, or they're just very egotistical um and are i don't know like an, an egotism that sort of forbids reflection um and forbids sort of true self healthy kind of self criticism um 
healthy self-examination and of course I'm a big advocate of this and and I, I and then I suppose you hear me speak like this and in a way I'm putting myself in direct opposition <laughs> to to these these men of whom I speak um but I don't know I don't know I mean I'm not saying this for for no reason I mean I really believe uh I believe in the idea of encouraging thoughtfulness and consideration and compassion um from from a very from a very young age if that's you know if if there's an opportunity to to have that conversation and express those ideas in an appropriate digestible way um I'm like yeah and I'll give you an example I'll give you an example okay I was teaching karate in a school and there was a class and it was clear and this was in a primary school and these were young kids they were only ooh I'd say they were only about seven and it was a class of boys and girls and the dynamic in the group particularly between the boys was really not nice there was a dynamic that was mean-spirited um a dynamic that was always kind of teetering on the verge of an explosion um there was a a sort of a a fractious and anxious bullying energy that passed between them these were young kids who were very quick to jump on someone and poke fun at them or draw attention to a moment of vulnerability or fragility. And it was having a very detrimental effect on the dynamic for the entire group. And I only had this group, I mean, I was, I was only had them for like a half an hour kind of kids karate class. But I remember when I was, I'd observed them for a few sessions, a few weeks in a row, and I came in and I just saw this thing kind of playing out week in, week out. And I just took it upon myself to, to kind of have a chat with them one day. And I just picked someone up. Like the second that they jumped on this, you know, and I'm not saying this, it jumped literally, but the second someone laughed one of the boys laughed at another one of the boys for a moment of confusion or of failing to execute something i was asking them to do or saying something that wasn't quite right or maybe you know i made a a good-natured joking response to it um and another boy laughed at the the first boy and you could see the first boy you could see all the emotion in him all the emotion, all the the sensitivity, and he could feel he was hurt and angry and just so raw. Um, and I just kind of, I just got, I just got on it straight away. I was like, you know, you know, don't do that. You know, you know, you don't want someone to laugh at you if if you're in his position. So why would you do that? And I, I just kind of gave the kind of the whole group a, a little chat about caring for each other and looking out for each other um, and trying to have each other's backs. And I pointed out to them that they were going to be with each other 
for the next, you know, five or six years. The same group. But they'd be together for another five or six years. And I was like, you know, you want to pull together and be, you know, be a team, be a unit and support each other and help each other. And that's going to be so much better for you than this kind of teasing and this point scoring. I mean, no, I didn't use that phrase, point scoring, but you know, that was the general thrust. And I wasn't shouty. I wasn't angry. I mean, I'm standing there in my karate suit with my belt on and, you know, um, I wasn't there to intimidate them. Um, and I had them, you know, I mean, you know, and like I know from my experience as a teacher, you know, when you've got a classroom of students who are actually engaged and staying with you. Um, I've experienced the opposite enough <laughs> to recognize when it's going well. Um, and yeah, I had them and it was, it was a lot. I mean, it was, you know, it was a very serious talk for a group of kids that age and I stayed away from the big words but I did hit them with the big concepts which fundamentally were love and I didn't use that word um, but caring um, you know caring for each other togetherness minding each other and I just said that's what's going to actually make you stronger that's what's going to make you stronger doing all of that Um, anyway I think they just reverted the form (laughs) <laughs> the second I left the building. <laughs> oh, good luck. But at least I tried. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. And and sometimes, sometimes that's all you can do. That's all you can do. Um, I do, I, I, you know, I do actually believe in that. I believe in the power of the gesture. And I believe in acting on one's positive intention, one's positive impulse, um, because I think that that is a force for for good in the world. Um, yeah. Anyway, one thing I wanted to return to from last week's episode, and and I'm going to finish up with this. So as I say, this is this is going to be a shorter episode. Um, than usual and I know my my wife needs to get into this room very soon so I need to vacate but one thing I wanted to point out last week when I was talking about my older brother and reminding myself much to my own amusement if not yours of how he used to sing morning has broken as a little boy and I did refer to it and say that it was kind of a beautiful thing um because that that boy uh there's not a lot of evidence of that boy anymore um not a lot of evidence there hasn't been a lot of evidence of that boy there's no sign of him for many many years and there's a there's a complex adult with very complex things in his life um and less than ideal choices at times but I did want to make the point last week and I forgot to. Uh, And this is a a larger sort of point about how we look at people who we find challenging or or difficult or or disappointing. Um, 
and this might be so pathetically naff but I think it's to remind ourselves that that inside everyone and maybe even you know even more so inside people who outwardly are are maybe not doing that well or are not you know or, or, or have kind of turned their back on their better selves that inside them there's there is that 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 child that vulnerable younger self that um is a million miles from where they are um or how they appear on the outside um and again i'm not trying to i'm not advocating i'm not advocating sort of trying to bring that child out in someone i mean that's deeply deeply personal stuff and can be loaded with with trauma and and damage and all kinds of complex coping mechanisms but it it, it may be of use to help you and when i say you i mean me <laughs> in this case you know it, i think it helps to just get a bit of perspective to just open up that door to compassion you know a little bit more and remind yourself it's not all this it's not all this product um it's not all this behavior that there's something else i mean i feel that's very relevant to to men particularly you know there's a lot of men who move away from their more innocent vulnerable selves and they, and they make that move at quite a young age and it's part of that front they feel they have to to put on it's part of stepping into a, a stereotypical toughness um abandoning softness um abandoning easy openness uh, or silliness um because they feel that this is this is the only way to survive in the world um and i think many men maybe find a way out of that through good relationships through partners that encourage that side of them to thrive uh within the the adult self but a lot of men don't find that for various reasons um and i think that is i think that is central to a lot of a lot of damaged masculinity and um related behaviors um so yeah just something to think about something to think about um and and just as a general sort of wellness exercise or you know mind uh, you know a thought exercise i was gonna say a mind game that's got very negative connotations do a mind game on yourself (laughs) it's just to remind yourself uh you know of, of of what's inside you know what's that kind of core self you're protecting or minding or nurturing or maybe neglecting um is it the inner child the inner child that's probably a bit of a that's that's i don't know how much cachet that concept has anymore um but i i continue to find that valuable um and something worth paying attention to um yeah i think it can inform 
a lot of our our understanding of how we respond to things as adults and it's and it's part of it's part of the individual journey it's not about it's not it's not a blame game it's not about seeking answers elsewhere it is just about kind of tuning in and going oh yeah okay that makes sense that's that's why i do that because of that anyway i'm doing this because of because of lots of things um and i'm going to finish up here today uh it is time to say goodbye so there you go i hope you got something out of that i hope it was of some interest and i'll be back next week with another episode of this tell you can find me on social media the uh, the links will be where, there wherever you're listening to this episode you can throw me some love throw a comment um you can subscribe you can like you can share and if you are someone who's listened uh, on a regular basis and you value what i do here and it brings something to your week brings something to your ears to your mind to your soul to your heart you could consider supporting the show via the patreon link that's patreon dot com forward slash the clear out there's also a supporter link for a one-off donation if you want to support this independent enterprise uh i'd welcome any of those things i just mentioned i especially welcome the love okay so that's it i will leave it there until next time stay safe mind yourself travel well and i will see you real soon all the best bye bye cheers <laughs>